Welcome everyone to the very first Research Briefs 2.0 with your new hosts, Dr. Jeremy London and Dr. Moni Gross. Today, we are going to introduce you to us. Us. <laughs> Jeremy, you want to get us started here? I, I mean, yeah, I guess we should start by telling them a little bit about us, about how we even know each other. Um, we're not just colleagues. We're friends. We're friends who met in grad school over a decade ago. So I'm Jeremy, uh, Jeremy London. I'm an associate professor of engineering education and the uh, curriculum innovation lead on the innovation campus at Virginia Tech. And I'm really fascinated by a lot of things, but the one that really, um, the topic that's most connected to this podcast and kind of went into how we designed it was my my passion for connecting research and practice. I've, I've always been fascinated and somewhat befuddled by this kind of complicated and sometimes dysfunctional <laughs> relationship between research and practice um, and always looking for ways to try to bridge the gap between the two of them. Monique, you want to tell them about you? I am Monique Ross. I'm associate professor in the engineering education department at The Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> My research interests are, around, are centered in computer science education research, looking at all things related to race, gender, and computing. So that can range anything from people's experiences and pathways to looking at learning and pedagogical practices and anything that's going to get folks into computing and retain mm -hmm. particular black and brown women. Hmm. Cool. So how did, go ahead. Good stuff. I was going to say, how, how did you get here? Tell me about how you got to your current role at the Innovation sure. Virginia Tech. Yeah, I tend to straddle spaces as you'll um, come to realize, but I, um, my undergrad and master's degree is in industrial engineering. And as an IE, I think a lot about systems and processes and ways in which we can make things more efficient. And I've kind of turned that lens onto engineering education. So my PhD is in engineering education from Purdue. And with that, um, I've worked at the National Science Foundation for a few summers and ultimately years and started to see you know, a systems perspective or how policy may shape things that happen in engineering education. But that ultimately led me to going into a faculty career at Arizona State University when they were first starting the engineering ed program there. And <clears throat> um, um, a seminar at Virginia Tech led to a new position. So I decided to get a little bit closer to home um, in terms of moving across the country to Virginia Tech. And with that um, came this opportunity to help shape a new campus, shape the curriculum of a new campus. It's, the innovation campus was born out of Amazon's decision <clears throat> to decide to put its uh, second headquarters near the capital region. And with that, a part of that um, decision was the notion of building a new campus that initially starts with a focus on computer science and computer engineering degrees. One year, one year professional master's degrees. So the reason I'm at the innovation campus is I'm helping to shape the curriculum since the goal is for it to be centered around project-based learning at scale. And what I mean by scale is like a hundred projects running simultaneously year after year. Um, so in that way, it kind of 
this role kind of merges a lot of things that I care about, like systems and processes and doing things well in the context of engineering ed, but also thinking about how people learn and making sure that we're making space for people from all kinds of walks of life. Um, so in some ways, it's a really cool dream job. Nice. What about you? How'd you get to where you are? It's a long, twisted, non-linear path. But the abbreviated version is I, I I also I got my engineering degree, computer engineering degree at Elizabethtown College in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, um, and then took a job. I worked in industry for 11 years. And in that 11 years, I kind of went and taught and came back. And then, you know, through that process, realized that that there were things that I there were questions I had been carrying around through my academic career and then my industrial career focused around like not seeing enough of me, not seeing enough mm. black women, not enough seeing enough Latin women in engineering. That brought me to the PhD in engineering education at Purdue, which is how we got to know each other so well. <laughs> and um, but then when I graduated, I had an opportunity to bring my two worlds together, which was my computer engineering, computer science, software engineering background with engineering education to start to answer questions in a computer science department. So I started my academic career in a computer science department at Florida International University in Miami, Florida. I was the only CS ed person in the department. So it was sort of about navigating being an ed person in a traditional CS discipline mm -hmm. while trying to answer questions that were arguably not considered all that important when I first got there, right? Which was interesting because it was a minority serving institution. And so they, mm -hmm. they were still trying to understand what that meant for them as an institution in computer science and actually how much impact they have. Yeah. Because of that. And then, um, I was full transparency, you know, really looking forward to at some point getting back to the Midwest, which is where I had sort of started my trajectory. Um, got an opportunity to come up here and interview at Ohio State, but it did mean a transition. I was now leaving a computer science department to an engineering education department. And those are all, they're different. They're different worlds, mm -hmm. even engineering education versus CS education. They're very they move different, they answer different kinds of questions, different conferences, different funding sources, different um, environments, different cultures. And so mm. it's been an adventure, I think, just, I feel like I'm I'm sort of like an ethno ethnographist. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's the I made that up, right? But like somebody who's always sort of under, trying to understand my culture and context as I navigate, you know, engineering education and computer science education research questions, which um, leaves for no dull moments. Um, right, not at all. But it's been a journey. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I get an opportunity to meet all kinds of different people from different spaces, and that—that's really where the joy is for me. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. Uh, let's tell them a little bit how we got here. Like in this podcast, you and I. You want to tell them that story, Jeremy? Sure. Um, so, in short, <clears throat> uh, Monique and I had the joy of being taught by Ruth Traveler, who is just an absolute guru and just just a delightful scholar um, and mentor. And so uh, she reached out to me, I guess it was a year ago now, saying, hey, I'm going to retire soon, which I was like, what in the world? What does this mean <laughs> um, for a legend to be retiring? But um, she said, I'm going to retire soon, but I really want to... Um, rebroadcast or repost some of my top three podcasts and one of them was yours and so I was honored <clears throat> um, and so in that podcast I talked a lot more about my research interests regarding impact and 
the translation of research and practice, which I hope ultimately results in impact. Um, and so she was asking for my updated contact info. And I said, but wait, what, what's happening with the podcast? Like, do you have somebody take it over or something? And she said, no. Um, and I was like, no, no, no. We can't just let that one fade. Like, so I said, do you mind if I take the baton? And she said, yes. And I was um, just honored. Um, and of course, I didn't want to do it alone. And so I was going to see Monique for dinner the next week. So I decided to rope her in. The set hey. <laughs> I did not have an agenda for dinner, but um, once that was on my mind, I was like, it would be a delight to be able to co-host the research podcast or research briefs podcast with um a true friend and not just friend but scholar in our space and so I think that there's a lot about our worlds that we've kind of given a glimpse about that you'll start to see um in how this 2.0 version of research briefs unfold you'll see things related to engineering and computing you'll see things related to both scholars their stories and their scholarship. You'll see all kinds of things, but that's kind of how it happened is that I didn't, once once uh, Ruth reached out to me and asked about reposting, I couldn't just, I couldn't just let it go. Um, and I decided to bring, bring a friend along. And I am happy to be here. <laughs> so when, when you brought it up and, 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 uh, we had some follow-up meetings and started to talk about what the vision was for Research Briefs 2.0. We talked about how we wanted to center scholars, yeah. people, along with scholarship, the research. So we mm. wanted to make sure that we centered um, not just the work that's coming out, the work product that's done, right, in journals and conference proceedings and that kind of stuff, but rather focus on the people and their journey. But we also talked about this gap that is often overlooked and you've alluded to, this is like your passion piece. Um, it's overlooked, omitted and forgotten. And that's that translation from the theoretical to the practical, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. we're so caught up in the theory and the methods that we forget that the output of that should have a so what and thus mm -hmm. translate in some way that's practical. And so we have planned to spend some time during our podcast also attending to that, mm -hmm. um, what they're calling research briefs. So mm -hmm. that will come and talk about how they took that theory or that method or whatever the thing is mm -hmm. and related it into practice. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited about this um, new direction um, in that we'll carry on many of the wonderful things that Ruth started, but also begin to make it our own, which was her charge to us. Find a way to make it your own. Um, and this emphasis on people, um, the scholars, and this emphasis on bridging this connection, having equal emphasis on both research and practice. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from, it's probably my first PhD class with Dr. Evangelou, uh, Dimitri Evangelou. She's in Greece now, and um, it was actually the class that I also met Ruth in because they were co-teaching the class. But Dr. Evangelist said, all research is autobiographical. And it was at a time when I was like taking my first research methods class and trying to figure out like, what am I interested in? Who am I? What is this thing called engineering ed that I've kind of stepped into? 
And as I was trying to discover, you know, the things that excited me and, you know, my research passion and interest, um, she made this statement, you know, that all research is autobiographical. And what she meant by that was that you can learn a lot about a person by what they study. Um, and their research interests tell you a lot about them personally. And so sometimes you have to do some introspection. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I started with the story about me being an industrial engineer intentionally um, because it shapes how I see the world a lot of times. I, I, I see a lot of things in terms of systems and, and interconnected pieces. And it's hard for me to disconnect one decision from some macro influence that may have you know led to that or think about how our decisions might play out in the long term and so I can see it in my own life that you know my research tells a story about me um and so I wanted to make sure that that was kind of centered um when we talk today and even Monique's passion for people and their stories right yeah I love people <laughs> I do. I mean, I love and loathe. It's a love-hate relationship, right? People are complicated, but I think that's what makes it so fascinating and so wonderful, right. right? It's it's nuanced and it's not monolithic and it's complicated. And it's, I think that's all the beauty in the in the types of so I agree. I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right. And Evangelou was onto something with the autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And even as I've started to study, you know, the things that lead to the impact of research, things that contribute to it and things that hinder it. Um, I realize that it's just as much about the scholar as it is about the scholarship. So I know it may be convenient for us to try to divorce, you know, people from scholarship, but our hope in, in Research Briefs 2.0 is to center both, um, to give space for both for both research and researchers or scholars and scholarship. So um, we're going to give you a sort of like a preview, like what 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 can you look forward to in Research Briefs 2.0 going forward? We we have curated a list of scholars um, to talk to over the next year, the fall. It will drop episodes in the fall and the spring. Um, and while they all may be very unique, there will be some questions that we're going to ask everybody, right? So we're going to ask folks about their pathway. Uh, what their research topic of interest is. We're going to make everybody make a prediction, right? We're going <laughs> to tell us where they see engineering education going uh, in the future. And then we're also going to ask them to do a name drop. We want to know who our scholars of interest that we've selected, who they're watching and who they're, who they're reading and who they're excited about coming into the field. Um, not necessarily academic crush-like, but tangential to that, right? Like who are the rising stars you see um, coming down the pathway? And so we are looking at, um, obviously we give you this episode one, episode two, we're going to go back and talk to our pioneer and first Ruth Streveler. We're also going to talk to Julia Williams about change theory in engineering education. And then Liz is going to, she's going to close us out for the year to talk about uh, that closing that gap between theory and practice. Sometimes you have these <laughs> grandiose ideas on how a method is going to work or a, a theory is going to adhere. And then you get to the end of it and it's like, well, that is not at all what I expected, right? So being able to remain agile in research, what does that look like? Um, and so Liz is going to close us out with that. Cool. And we'll also do a wrap up, um, I think at the end of the 
at the end of the whole season, end of the spring. But with that, there's one thing we're going to ask our listeners to do throughout the year is we're going to invite you all to submit the names of budding scholars um, because we're going to do a roll call in the last episode. So in, again, in the interest of um, centering scholars, we'll we'll have our guests, our the, the podcast guests to tell us who they're watching. But I've realized that sometimes, you know, some of the familiar names get, they get a lot of attention. And sometimes we, um, sometimes people don't rise to, you know, a national platform until they've been doing something for 10 years or, you know, 15 years. And so our goal is to be able to learn about which maybe grad students may be graduating soon who have an interest or a focus on engineering education. So we'll say a bit more about how to, um, we're going to create an online form for people to be able to submit the names of people um, that are the, the rising scholars, such that by May of the following year, May of 2024, that they may be graduating soon, such that we can add them to our roll call when we do our last our last episodes. And we'll put that link right under the picture of the podcast. There'll be a, a summary of the podcast. And right below that, you'll be able to find the link to click on to be able to submit those names so we can get that roll call going at the well, what seems like a, a million years from now, but we'll be here before we know it. All right, that's right. So but here gonna... we are. Yeah. We're off to the races. Yeah. That's right. that's right. I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't thank Jeremy enough for inviting me to participate on this new journey. And, you know, thank you to Ruth Streveler for, for passing the baton and being so incredibly supportive as we get mm -hmm. this um, yeah. ground. Thank you for saying yes. Um, this would not be nearly as fun without you. Um, and I'm looking forward to what we'll learn together. Um, you know, the qualitative researcher in me is like, there's something cool about what gets created in the midst of an interview is an interplay between the thoughts of the, the interviewer and the interviewee. And so our questions combined will lead to all kinds of rich um, discussions. And I'm looking forward to the audience that we'll reach. I'm looking forward to hearing folks' thoughts and it'll be good. Um, I'm excited. I mean, not that we didn't have plenty to do, but this was worth doing. Like this was, I couldn't, I couldn't not, I couldn't, I couldn't pass on the opportunity to, to say yes to this one. Fantastic. So I challenged Jeremy to come up with a tagline so that we could sign off every episode with something consistent. And she came up with, Try to keep it simple, but significant. All right. So at the closing of every episode, you're going to hear us remind you that in your work, in your day-to-day, -day, in your research, in your engagement with people, keep it what? Keep it simple. Yet. But significant. All right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to the next episode. Bye. Bye.